All right, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 41, and today we're going to dive into Genesis 1 and 2. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. This week, we are going to um, talk about Genesis 1 and 2, which is creation. Mm-hmm. And goodness, we're excited. And we have learned so much as we've been preparing for this. So um, I guess the first thing we need to say is that there are a lot of different beliefs on different things within these first two chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's old earth and new earth and how many, was a day really a day? Or was it a thousand years? Right. Or was it... Half a day. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm making stuff up now. But that's how, like, there's so many differing beliefs. Yeah. And so um, we're going to try to do our best to present the important information. Yes. Um, the things that um, that really matter. The things that the an- the book is trying to answer. Exactly. The book. The Bible. What, what God intended. Yes. This book to be is what we're going to try to talk about. Um, because... God clearly, and and Moses, who God was writing through, mm-hmm. wasn't concerned with the how of creation right. so much. So we should um, not try to be consumed by that, but we should um, try to see what God's telling us about himself and about his creation. And also the why is mm-hmm. really important. Why did God create the right. earth? Why right. why is creation even a thing? Like that's important too. Yeah. So those are the the things that we're really going to focus on. And to be totally honest, it's kind of, that's kind of frustrating. Like it's very hard for me. I'm like, but I also want to know the how I want to know the why I want to know the when I want to know all of it. But to just remind ourselves, like we're going to try to learn what God wants us to learn from this and be satisfied with that and know that that's what God wants for us. And it's good to have questions. It's great Mm -hmm. to have questions. And we're going to ask a lot of questions on here and we're going to do our best to try to find the answers to those questions. And I'm not saying like, don't come with questions. I think it's really important to come with questions. Mm -hmm. I think that's how we learn. And that sometimes, you know, God wants us to just sit in those questions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what God wants us to learn is to just trust him with those questions. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we're gonna have to keep and that he's in mind mysterious. as we go. Yes. I mean, I've said it before, but if we understood everything about God, like he wouldn't be worthy of our right. praise and worship. Exactly. And he wouldn't be our king and all of those things. Like he wouldn't be God. And so there are gonna be some things that remain a mystery and that's okay. And that's yep. good. Yes. That's good. Yes. So if we're gonna define um just creation as a doctrine systematic theology defines it like this they say god created the entire universe out of nothing and it was originally very good and he created it to glorify himself i like that it's concise um we're gonna dig into it as we open up our bibles and get into genesis but i thought it was a good idea to kind of have here's the doctrine of creation now let's see what genesis says about it because in that little um quote it says you know god created it that's the most important thing and then it tells us he created it out of nothing which we'll talk more about that he said it was good and the reason he created it was to glorify himself so we see the why already we Mm -hmm. see the who we see the why um we see a little bit about the how and so um i thought that was a good place for us to kind of kick off this 
wraps it all up in a pretty little bow yes. for us. Yes. And um, as we're getting into the very first part of Genesis 1, Tozer says that if Genesis 1-1, which says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if it's true, then we can believe everything else in the Bible. Right. I love that. Because that, I mean, that's accurate. Mm -hmm. If we can believe that God created everything out of nothing, which is like the craziest idea ever, then we can believe everything else he said is true. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So let's um, dig in. Like Casey just read Genesis 1-1. You want to read it again real fast? Yes. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Short and sweet. Ten words, right? So... We said we weren't going to go verse by verse when we're teaching through mm-hmm. Genesis, and I promise we're not. But at this point, you kind of have to, yeah. right? We kind of have to stop right there because that's a big statement, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. not like just saying, and then there was a red flower. No, like this is a big <laughs> deal, right? So we can't go past this first. And there's a few things that we thought um, we kind of wanted to talk about when we hear these things. And, and the first thing is that um, it's the first thing the Bible says. Right. We're not given any context. We're not giving anything else. It's the first thing the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If it's the first thing the Bible says, it's important. Right. Yeah. It's the beginning of the whole beautiful story. So don't just read it because you know it and move past it. Like what can God teach you through those first 10 verses? And, and what's what's the first thing we learn about God in that in that verse, Casey? So the first thing that we learn about God is that. He was already there mm-hmm. and it means he's eternal. He's infinite. He's self-sufficient. He's creator. And if you want to go back and um, we've already mentioned it, but the who God is series um, back in the very beginning of our podcast, we talk about some of these things. Um, but Sproul says it like this. He says, what is crystal clear is that if something exists now, then there must be a supreme being from which all other things all other beings become the first assertion of the Bible is in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. This text is foundational to all Christian thought. It is not only a religious statement, but a rationally necessary concept. And so that's a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it makes sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. what he's saying is that if something is here, it had to have been made right by something that already existed right and my science brain it made a lot of sense when he started talking about um newton's first law of motion Mm -hmm. which states an object at rest stays at rest and an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Mm. So if there was ever a time that there was nothing, then there would be nothing now. Right. Like there has to be something else to get that force going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. When he explained it like that, I was like, oh, okay, okay. It's starting to make more sense now. Yeah. But he also <laughs> says that science isn't going to explain God. Like right. it's like we said, one of those things that, um, there are parts like where did God come from? Like mm-hmm. he, he's infinite. He's just always been. And there's, there's really no science that's going to explain that. Right. Right. I think that's a good point. And the, and the main thing that, that we're saying here is that, that God is creator, right? So we have to, um, acknowledge that there is this creator and then creatures or creator and creation. creation. And so what we're seeing is that God is the creator. Although we think we want to be the creator, we want to be the king, we want to be the sovereign, but we're not. We are the created thing. And and Matt um, Chandler always says, you're not the point, right? Like you... I'm not. 
point. <laughs> we want to be the point, but you know, He's we so are mean that Matt Chandler. <laughs> and we'll see like we are, you know, an incredible made in the image of God. God says we are very good in creation and we'll talk more about that, but the point is that we need to first root ourselves in our um, humility that God is the one that is eternal. God is the one that has done all of the creating and he is the only one who has two true creative power. And so just kind of starting ourselves off, focusing on that, that in the beginning, God created in the beginning, God was there. We were not Mm -hmm. God was, um, it's just one thing that we think is really important for us to kind of focus on as we move throughout Genesis. So, so what else, what else do we want to learn from this Uh, first verse? So as you're talking about the creative power thing, it makes me think there's a term and Aaron taught it to her kids. It's called ex nihilo. Mm -hmm. Um, and it means that, um, when something is created out of nothing, yeah. basically. And that's really hard for us to wrap our, our heads around because that's not how we work. <laughs> like, right. I can't create a, I'm looking at a computer. Like, I can't make a computer out of nothing. I can't right. just say, like, computer come to be and the computer <laughs> comes to be. Like, <laughs> why is that so funny? Because it's ridiculous. It's, like, in right. our minds, it's ridiculous. It seems crazy. It seems crazy. But that's the kind of power that God has. Yes. Um, and I think there's something in yeah. systematic theology, they talk about it, right? Or mm-hmm. was it somewhere else? Yeah, systematic theology says the positive side of the fact that God created the universe out of nothing is that it has to have meaning and purpose. God and his wisdom created it for something. We should try to understand that purpose and use creation in the ways that fit that purpose, namely to bring glory to God himself. Moreover, whenever the creation brings us joy, we should give thanks to God who made it all, which that's such a good point. If it just kind of happened and there was this earth, then there would be no meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there is a creator who created it, mm-hmm. then he created it for There's a purpose. reason, for a purpose, and it mm-hmm. has meaning. And so, we, you know, we all sometimes have that existential thought of like, what's my purpose? What's the meaning of this? Why? Such a millennial. Yes. <laughs> but, but just grounding yourself and knowing that there is a creator and he created it for a purpose yeah. and you have a purpose to play within that is very comforting. It is. It really is. And we'll talk about that more as we talk about when Adam and Eve are created. But Mm -hmm. yeah, having a purpose just, it gives us a drive that we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. It's a really good point. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to verse two. So it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I thought you said we weren't going verse by verse. I know, I know. But (laughs) in this part, you just have to. There's so much, like we talked about last week, you know, there's the beginning of so many doctrines here, like Mm -hmm. the doctrine of God and and the doctrine of creation. And I mean, you're learning awesome words like ex nihilo and all these different um, beliefs and theology and doctrine. It's just sometimes you got to go a little slow in the beginning. You do. We'll we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up. I promise. So what doctrine do we see here? So here we see the beginning of the Trinity. Which we talked, we had an episode on the Trinity in our Who God Is um, series, but if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. But I think it's really neat that um, we don't necessarily see the word Trinity or anything like that, but we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Trinity shows us, um, you know, if we're thinking about, okay, what can we learn about God, then what can we learn about ourselves as we're reading through this? And the Trinity shows us that God didn't create us out of a need. He doesn't need us. And at first, that's kind of harsh. That sounds kind of abrasive. Like, God doesn't need me. But um, I think it, I think it's Jen Wilkin that says, like, if he needed us, that would be crushing to us. Because if you need something, then you become dependent on that thing. And God cannot be dependent on anything, right? He is self-sufficient. He's self-sustaining. He's self-satisfying. Um, he didn't create 
create us because, you know, he had us shaped hole in his heart, people would say. Um, but that is actually provides so much freedom for us because if he doesn't need us and that means he loves us mm-hmm. and he wants us, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't need us. He's not dependent on us. And it's, then he gets to love us freely. And systematic um, theology says that God was the f- father. God, the father was the primary agent agent man let's try that again (laughs) Uh, okay talking about the trinity in creation systematic theology says that god was the i did it again (laughs) my mouth is not doing what my brain is telling it to okay Okay, paul (laughs) (laughs) okay god the father was the primary agent in initiating the act of creation the son is often described as the one through whom creation came about, and the spirit is generally pictured as completing or filling and giving life to the creation. I thought that was really helpful when we're saying tr- this shows that the Trinity in the creation, we're like, what does that actually mean? So I think that's helpful to know, like, the father was the primary agent, the son is often described as the one who through through whom it came about, and the spirit is the one who's kind of completing or giving life to creation. And you might be kind of confused because, okay, we see the spirit here. Mm-hmm. And obviously we saw God the Father in verse 1. So where's the son coming into play? And um, luckily, and I was thinking about this earlier in the shower. I told Aaron, and I think I've told all of you before, like the shower some of the best places like shower I think thoughts. about things. Um, but I was thinking about this and like I just sometimes – I just feel so like extremely blessed to live when we li- live because like when Moses was writing this and um, to the Israelites, like they didn't know what we know now, mm-hmm. but now we have the New Testament and now we have Jesus. And so we can see Jesus even in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And John one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it Mm. so that those verses right there that's talking about Jesus and so it's saying Jesus the word he was in the beginning Mm -hmm. so here we see all three we have all three in the very beginning and that's something that um until I would say about a year ago when we were going through the catechism with my kids I was like I have never thought about that like I've never taken the time to think about it or Mm -hmm. to look at it or anything like that so I think that's really that's really neat there's a lot of verses in the New Testament that talk about that like Colossians 1 17 talking about the preeminence of Christ where it's talking about he is made in the image of God but then it says all things were created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together and that's talking about Jesus yeah so we have we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They're all in fellowship. They're all in community. So going back to what Aaron was saying, like God didn't create us out of some sort of need. He didn't need that. And I think that's when we can talk about um, another cool word. We're throwing a lot of cool words at yeah. you. God's aseity, mm-hmm. um, which it that means um, the quality or state of being self-derived or self-originated, specifically the absolute self-sufficiency, independence, and autonomy of God but it also means God is Mm self-satisfying so he does not need us sorry to burst your bubble if you thought that God needed you there's a really popular song right now that makes you think that God needs you (laughs) and um 
And he doesn't Mm -hmm. like God does not need us. And um, so I think that that's something that's really important to remember. That is really, that's really important to remember. And I think it's really neat the way, if you look at um, Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us, it's the same thing, right? Like he didn't need us. He didn't need to die to save us. He did that out of love and wanting to bring us back into relationship with him and to redeem us out of the love he has for Mm -hmm. us, which is such a beautiful thing. Like he didn't need us to kind of fulfill him or anything like that. He did it because he loves us. So cool. I just love it. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And we're only on verse two. And we're (laughs) going to stay in verse two for a few more minutes because there's something else I want to talk about. Yes. So when we're talking about the spirit, we see the same word over and over through the Bible used for that. And what Mm. what is it, Erin? Ruach. (laughs) And and it means um, breath. And the spirit brings life. And we Mm -hmm. see that over and over throughout the Bible. And there was also something that I thought was cool. And that's um, the Hebrew word for um hover because we see that it says the the spirit was hovering over Mm -hmm. the waters the hebrew word refers to um the same word that is like a mama bird hovering over her babies Mm. to feed them or teach them to fly and so that just brings some like personality to it like that just instead of this just like thing like kind of floating in the air that Mm -hmm. that brings more of like a protective like bringing to life yes you see a mama bird hovering and they're like I don't know. It just, it paints a different picture yeah, to me. Yeah, I like so that. I like I've never that heard that before. Yeah. That's really good. I think one more thing before we move on <laughs> is that um, we see here this idea that we will see throughout the entire Bible that that God brings order out of chaos. Mm. God is not a God of confusion, a God of chaos, a God of, you know, anything like that. He's a God of order. And we're about to see that a whole bunch as we dive into the days of creation. But keep that in mind. Already we're seeing that, that he was hovering over the face of the waters. He was about to bring order to chaos. So let's see how he does that going into, um, we're going to cover verse three through 25. We're not going to read it all, but um, hopefully you've already read it. If not, you can push pause right now and you can go read it because this is a podcast. So you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yes. But yes. what these verses cover is the, the six days of creation. And um, we thought this time, instead of just reading it or summarizing it for you, we'd kind of try to paint um, a different picture that kind of brings um, a different viewpoint to, to creation. Yes. And I think it's really perfect because talking about that order, Mm -hmm. something was brought to our attention just um, not long ago about how God used that order Mm -hmm. in creation. So the first three days, God spends creating these things. He creates the heaven and the earth. He um, separates the waters in the heavens, like the clouds from the the water on earth. Then he then he creates the land and he separates the land and the water. So the first three days he spends doing that. And then what does he do in the next three days? And this was so interesting. I had never thought about it like this before. But once he did those three things on those three days, then he goes back and he provides fullness to what he had done. So he provided light in then it talks about on day four by giving the stars and the sun and the moon. And then when we see that he created the sea and the sky, then he talks about populating the sea and the sky with the birds and the fish and um, tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And then, you know, on that day six, he goes ahead and populates all of the earth and the land and the vegetation and the animals and then ultimately humans. And this is one of those things that it's funny, always in my mind, because I hadn't studied this, I always thought that like, 
the plants were on one day and the animals were on day mm-hmm. and the humans were on a separate day. Like I had all that yeah. separated, yeah. but that's all in one day because that was all populating the right. land. Yeah. And so we see God's order here mm-hmm. and how it really kind of makes sense. If, if you read it, you know, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And there's another thing that we see a lot as we're reading through Genesis one and we see a lot of repetition mm-hmm. and um, that's for multiple reasons. One reason is that it was a type of um, literature, I guess you could say a, a Poetry, style, a style. Yeah. yeah. That the people were used to. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it made sense right. for Moses to use that because it was something that they were used to hearing. Another reason was, as I mentioned on last week's episode, a lot of things were oral tradition. Mm-hmm. So people would be listening to this. And so when you hear the same thing over and over, and I've learned this, um, we do a classical method of homeschooling. And this is our whole curriculum is based on the fact that like you repeat, you memorize and repeat and repeat and repeat. Mm-hmm. And then the, child or the student will remember what you're saying Mm -hmm. and that's what Moses God and Moses together are doing here they're repeating 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 so the people and us will remember it Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also another really really cool thing that we see from Genesis 1 being a song and um, there's a really really good Tim Keller sermon that we'll link um, because I'm not going to do it justice right Mm -hmm. now but basically he talks about how creation is singing in unison to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a really um, beautiful picture to think of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are a few of, of the things that we see in chapter one. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good point. Like you're saying, there is a lot of repetition. And when we see repetition, like it must be important, right? Right. So some of the things we see repeated are like, let there be, or God said, or... Um, what were some of the other ones? He formed things that were repeated are reminding them of that same truth. We talked about last week that there is one God who created all of these things. These things he created are not gods. And this was really a big deal to them because where they were coming from, there was a sun God or a moon God and and Moses saying, none of these things are gods. They are created by the one true God. And so I think that's important for us to remember that, that, that ongoing theme of there's one God who is creator. He's before all he's in all he's through all it's all for him. Um, so just to keep the, keep your eyes open to the things that are repeated, Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, pray about those, meditate on those Mm -hmm. things. What does that mean that those were repeated? And And I think it's so applicable to us because, um, I've heard this said several times and it's, are we worshiping the creator or Mm -hmm. the creation? Mm -hmm. And that's what they were doing. Like they were worshiping the creation. They were worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars and these other things. They weren't worshiping the person the the god that made these things the creator yeah is who we should be worshiping and i think we fall into that a lot like we might worship our kids mm-hmm. or our husband mm-hmm. or um whatever it is we but but they are the creation yeah they're not the creator yeah and that's who we should be worshiping another thing that's really cool when we see um aaron mentioned we see let there be or like god spoke and Mm -hmm. it happened god spoke and and it came to be um augustine calls that the divine imperative and it's just the fact that god said let there be and a universe began Mm -hmm. like that's some pretty awesome power right there yeah it's pretty cool that's what the girls always say god's powers they thought God has yes. powers. He does like, have powers. Yes. But a then, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
And we see another word re- or another phrase we see repeated a lot is it is good. It mm-hmm. is good. He created. Mm-hmm. It is good. And I think um, it's important for us to try to understand what does that mean when he says it is good? Is it is it just saying like um, like Tim Keller says it passed inspection? Mm-hmm. Is God going through and saying, OK, I created that. I'm looking at it. All right. That passes inspection. You're it's acceptable. Good. I'll give it the yeah. check. And I don't think that's all that that means. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen Wilkins says that it actually means when he says that something is good, he's saying that it is perfect and it is complete. Mm. And I think that word complete kind of helps give some more meaning to it because like I can go to Torchy's and get some chips and salsa and say, this is good, but it's different for it to be complete in the way that God's speaking about it. But it also does kind of mean like when you go to Torchy's and eat the chips and salsa and say, this is good. God is kind of saying, this is what I want it to be. He's right? enjoying This is it. what, yes, I've created it. I'm looking at it. It is good. I am mm-hmm. pleased with it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So, yes, I think that I think that's absolutely right. It's both. It's complete and perfect, which is hard for us to wrap our heads around mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, I would consider us both creatives. Like a podcast is a creative thing, mm-hmm. right? And believe it or not, even after every podcast, we're like, okay, was that, like, we, did we say that right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're never like, that is perfect and complete, right. you know, and that's what God was saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard for us to wrap our heads around because yeah. I don't think we ever call anything we do perfect and complete, but he's God. He's yeah. not us. Thank goodness. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I think just, just remembering that not only or it, was it perfect and complete, but it was something he enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's, we have this idea sometimes that we can't think before the fall right Right. so we we just only envision everything as ever being broken Mm -hmm. or ever being marred by sin but when God created this he created it perfect and complete Mm -hmm. it hadn't been marred by sin yet and so it's hard for us to kind of get that and kind of think about creation that way I always have this skewed Mm -hmm. vision when thinking back of thinking oh well they were sinful but that hadn't happened yet. No. And I, I've heard other people talk about that too, about how we live in a post Genesis three mm-hmm. um, mindset. Yeah. We forget that the world was created perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that's important to remember. Yeah. Especially because like there is so much beauty and if God made this world the way he did and he enjoyed it and it was good like we should look at the world that way mm-hmm. right like we should God just keeps putting this on my heart like he made it beautiful he didn't have to right like he could have made everything just black and white he could have made food all taste the same he could have all of that he could have created just one type of plant but he didn't and so like what does that mean for us how do we live in a way that we honor that creation that he has made but then also appreciate its beauty if mm-hmm. he took time to enjoy it and appreciate its beauty like we should do that too Mm -hmm. and I don't know this is just another question for us to ponder I guess I don't know if there's an answer but what is a way that we can glorify God by enjoying Enjoying his his creation creation. Mm because it's this fine balance right of not worshiping the creation or robbing God of glory because you're finding it your joy in creation but at the same time I think it's okay for us to truly enjoy what he's created Mm, that's good or he wouldn't have created enjoyable yeah right no yeah and there's a reason there's a reason that when you stand at the foot of the rocky mountains Mm -hmm. in Colorado your your breath is taken away yeah I mean like to the point of like tears for me. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, God, you're so big. Yeah. And you're just, you created beautiful things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a reason for that. And yeah. I do, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think that's a good question. So. All right. 
let's move on to what a lot of us would probably think is the most important part, the creation of man of and course. woman. <laughs> so um, let's actually read these verses. You have it okay. up? Yeah, okay. I do. So then God said, let us, let us, because we, as we've already mm-hmm. talked about, the Trinity is yep. already in existence. So let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's kind of funny. I mean, creeping you can hear that, that it's creeps. a song, right? You can <laughs> right. hear exactly. you can hear the um, mm-hmm. poetry of it. And I think the first thing, like Casey was saying, is that we see the Trinity here and that um, this is the first time we see um, when speaking about creating something, it says, let us make. Mm-hmm. Instead of just speaking that in divine imperative, instead of just speaking and it happens, mm-hmm. there's kind of a slowdown, right? right. There's right. this boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom, slow down. And when that happens, that automatically makes you stop and, yes. and really pay attention to yes. the text. Yes, exactly. And we see, um, here's another fun word for us here, imago Dei. That, all that means is that we're created in the image of God. And um, we're not created in the image of something else or someone else or anything like that. God, speaking within the Trinity, is saying, let us create mankind. That word man does not mean just Adam, right? right. The word that original wording means like mankind let us create in the image of God. And we see this, um, this, what is it called? The three lines that basically say the same thing. Oh, we learned about this and I forget where in verse 27. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. They're saying the same thing in three different ways so that they remember so that they memorize. And so that they understand the importance that of point it. Across. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So when, um, when we hear the phrase image bearer, like to me, I always immediately think of like a mirror, right? Like, like physical, physical. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but that's not what being an image bearer actually means. It means interacting with creation the way God would. Mm-hmm. So he gives us um, dominion over over creation. And the word dominion means responsibility or stewardship. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good just to kind of give us a different perspective of what being an image bearer means. Yeah. And when we think about interacting with creation the way God would, like what are some things, I'm kind of throwing this at you, but what are some things that kind of come to mind when you think? of that so I think of um like as a as a creator and as a a a leader right we we think of God as um caring Mm -hmm. and selfless and loving but also bold yeah right you have Mm -hmm. to be kind of bold to have dominion over or to um to have responsibility for something. There's that authority there. And I think that, um, as you're saying, I think it's a really good way to say that, that we're image bearers in the fact that we are to rule or reign over creation the way that God would. Mm -hmm. So we need to think about those things. Are we being image bearers of God? Are we being selfless? Are we being kind? Are we being caring? Um, Are we being all of those things? Are we being good stewards of, of what, you know, God has given us to have dominion over yeah, I think that's good. And that's exactly what I was thinking about. And I thought it was interesting. We've been doing a um, study actually on Genesis together with some some of our friends. And one of our friends last week, as we were talking about this, um, it was right after uh, President Bush passed away. And um, she said, 
I thought this was just really good. She said, well, I think about all the characteristics that we're hearing people describe President Mm. H.W. Bush as. (laughs) And she was like, you know, you're hearing people talk about how he was humble and how he was kind Mm -hmm. and compassionate and a good leader, bold, courageous. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just interesting because I was like, you know, that's how I want people to to describe me someday Mm -hmm. when I pass away. And I think that's what we should be striving for. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that he is a good example and some people might not agree with that, but I think it was just good to actually kind of put, put a face with yeah, things yeah. and to kind of, um, to kind of bring it down a little bit on our level and to, to really think about what's being said here. And yeah. I think it is, I think it's being a good leader. Yeah. Because you could easily take this verse and spin it like, Oh, I get to have dominion over everything. Right. Like I get to be the boss. I get to use everything for my pleasure. I get to use everything the way I want to, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying no. we're to be image bearers of God mm-hmm. and to rule and reign over the animals and the lifestyle, all the things, the way that the way God would. would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was good. Cause I've always been honestly, like if I'm being honest, I've always been a little bit confused about that verse. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, practically, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? So that was a really good way to describe it for me. Yeah. I think that's really, really helpful. So we're kind of moving on um, into your one of your favorite topics. (laughs) 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 One of the most confusing things. But um, as we move into chapter two, we start to read about how God took the seventh day and rested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about Sabbath? (laughs) So this is Casey's (laughs) making me laugh because this is something that I have. um, I actually got this really, I should have brought it today. I got this really funny old like sermon notes thing at half price books that had some really good stuff about Sabbath. I love half price books, books. but um, we see that, that God rested and we know um, just from the attributes of God, we know that he did not need rest. God is not a need of anything. We talked about that with um, his aseity. And so he did not need rest. So then begs the question of, well, then why did he rest? And I think one of the main things we can take away from this is that he set an example for us. Mm -hmm. He set an example of, you know, he did the work for seven days and then he rested, even though he didn't need it. He was setting an example for his creation um, to be image bearers of him and to imitate him to in that same way. And um, the my ESV study Bible has like some commentary notes. And it said that God rested to show the earth was not just a place for busyness, or for things to happen, but a place to be or to exist. And that's one of my favorite things I've ever read about this because I think it's a really, really good point, right? He created and he didn't create just so everyone could be busy. And that's kind of so countercultural for us right now. We feel like we have to be busy, 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 busy. But God created the world for work to be done, yes, but also balanced to just exist, which I don't think we really know how to do that. If we're being honest, we don't know how to just exist and, you know, spend time between just you and the Lord and his creation and worshiping him for all that he has done. We have a really hard time kind of slowing down and doing that. And I think it's also important to note that he did six days of work and then he rested and he did it in that order, which sets the example for us. Mm -hmm. Like the work and the rest are both equally important. If we're like, oh, it's all about rest. It's all about rest. No, God created us to have dominion, which requires work, but it's also important for us to rest, which reminds us of our dependence on him. 
right? We realize we cannot just keep going, 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 going. The girls the other night, they asked me, well, why do I have to sleep? I don't want to sleep. Like I want to play. I don't want to sleep. And I told them, you know, this reminds us of our need for God. Like God created us to be dependent on him. And it was right after I'd studied this, so it was perfect. But um, just to refresh, to remind ourselves to set apart time for worship and, and that it's ultimately, it's for our good. It's for our good. Yeah, it really is. And when you're talking about like working, 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 and then rest, like you want to appreciate the rest mm-hmm. if you don't work first. Yeah. Like if you just laid around all the time, right. like you wouldn't be near as appreciative of it. Yeah. So I think it's good. It, it does. It reminds us of our need for God. And it also um, just makes us appreciate that time by by working mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Um. So when we're talking about Sabbath, <sighs> I think this is really hard for people because they try to get into the legalism of it. And then I think we kind of go the opposite direction Mm -hmm. because we're like, well, it doesn't mean that you have to take a full day and not do anything. And so instead of resting at all, we just don't rest Mm it. Like we don't do anything. And so I think this is a, is a really difficult balance in our culture Mm -hmm. because I feel like for me, like taking a whole day off, it it seems almost impossible. And because of that, I'll just blow through Sundays or every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and and not have a day of rest. Do you have any practical tips for how to implement a true Sabbath? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't mean mm-hmm like I do. I'm just thinking. So this is is the part of Sabbath that I've really been you know, praying about and studying. And I haven't, I haven't come to a great conclusion yet, to be honest. So if anybody has some great conclusions, yeah. we'd love to hear it. But that's, that's where my question originally came from is if we're looking at the um, commandments, the, the fourth commandment, I think it's the fourth commandment says, you know, to keep the day holy to a sat to have Sabbath. And we don't follow that commandment but then we also see later jesus in the new testament say i am your sabbath rest so then we're like does that disqualify the commandment um so this is just something that i've been kind of wondering about i think um i've been trying to at least one day um not do any cleaning (laughs) oh that's a great idea so like i'll pick like Saturday or Sunday it's usually one of Taylor's days off maybe it's like a Tuesday my husband has a weird schedule so and then just try to enjoy the day and we usually try to do something outside where we can point to the clouds and say girls look at how wonderful God is that you know he created that and you know I'm trying to do that every day but if we intentionally set a day Mm -hmm. aside for that kind of thing um, and it looks different sometimes it's too cold and so we'll stay inside and snuggle and read books I mean just to try to set and in a whole day is probably not possible but if you intentionally set aside however many hours Mm -hmm. you can how many times you can a week, a month, whatever. Um, I think it's more the intentionality of it. Yeah, I think you're right. And we had a friend that said they have preteens and teenagers. And she said that they made everybody turn off their devices, mm-hmm. including them. And they went outside for like two hours. Mm-hmm. And that was the most they could do that week. But it was still just a sweet time and intentional. Yes. I think that's part of it. I yeah. think that that's, that's a big part. It's just that intentional time to rest and to really focus on the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's just tough. It's yeah. tough to write that. It, that's one of the things I feel like gets moved first. Right. Like, oh, I can move this time. Kind of yes. like your your quiet, quiet time. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll do that later. I'll just do it Yeah. Later. It's one of the things that gets bumped, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. So moving on. So that was the first part of um, 
chapter 2, the first three verses. Mm -hmm. Moving on to verses 4 through 25, we see God talk about creating man and woman again. So yeah. what's going on here? So um, I think the best way, the easiest way to kind of understand this is it's kind of just a different viewpoint. And um, I'm not making this up. This is actually Jen Wilkins analogy, <laughs> but I could because my husband flies yeah. drones. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. But that first chapter and the first couple of verses of chapter two is kind of like a drone shot, right? So like an big poetic song from 20,000 feet above. Drones don't actually go that high. But anyways, a big Fooled me. I had no idea. <laughs> like a big <laughs> overview. And then we see in, in this part of chapter two, God's coming close. So instead of being um, way up high view, we get now breathing distance view, mm. which we'll see when he creates man. Breathe, he's breathing distance. And um, w I think one way to, to kind of learn something from that, like why do we do that, is that we see and we want to have a balanced view of God that he is transcendent. He's above mm -hmm. all. He's um, that creature creation, create, blah, blah, blah. creator, creator <laughs> creation. There is that distance mm -hmm. there and he is high above and above creation before creation outside of time. But then he also longs to dwell with us mm -hmm. and be imminent with us in the fact where he is breathing distance from us. And so I think that's, um, just one cool thing we can pick up from why is there two accounts of the same thing? Yeah. And it teaches us two different things about God. Yeah. I love that. And there's actually been some controversy about the fact that there's two different accounts. Mm -hmm. And people try to say, well, because there's two different accounts, like it can't be real. Mm -hmm. And um, which it's just we believe that it's God's holy, true word. And mm -hmm. so it is real. And you see multiple places in the Bible that they actually do this. You'll have the same account twice. Like you'll right. have a song about something and then the historical narrative. A yes. song about something and then the historical narr narrative. So just the fact that... Um, that we have both doesn't discount it. It's right. just giving you kind of a different perspective. Like yeah. Aaron said, just a different perspective yep. up close. And I'm glad, I'm glad we have this up close yeah, to you because I we're going to learn a lot. It talks again, he's creating the bush of the field. And then it talks about how he creates Adam. Mm -hmm. And it says that he creates Adam from the dust. Verse seven says, then the Lord um, God formed. Oh, and that's another thing I can bring up here. So in chapter one, we see God just referred to as God. Oh yeah. And then in yeah. chapter two, we see him referred to as the Lord God, mm -hmm. which is a more intimate, it's Yahweh, yes. um, which is more intimate. Mm -hmm. And so once again, you see that transcendence and then you see the eminence of God. Yeah. Um, so moving on, sorry. Um, <laughs> a little side that's note. good. No, that's good. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we see that man is made of dust. So mm -hmm. we've already seen that man was made in the image of God, but now we're seeing that he was made from the dust. Mm -hmm. So this once again gives you kind of this, um, like, two different views. Like, we were important. Mm -hmm. Like, God made us to... Um, to have dominion over his creation and we're, we're very important to him, but we're also created from the dust. Mm -hmm. So that should keep us humble yeah. because as we see throughout the rest of scripture, that humility is really important. Mm -hmm. So when we remember that we were made from the dirt, yeah. like that'll help with that humility piece yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I think um, just like we mentioned that sometimes we're going to ask questions on here that we don't have the answers to. And this is one of the places where I had like a million questions. Like this is the first time that we see God make something out of something else. 
right? So everything else he spoke and it happened. Yes. But yes. this time we see him make Adam out of the dust of the ground. Mm-hmm. So what does Something that he had already mean? made? Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? And I don't have an answer, but yeah, I think Jonathan actually gave me a resource to look up with an answer to that. And I never did. So <laughs> maybe I'll find it and put it in the notes okay. or something. Okay. But yeah, I think is there is a thing. Sig- well, I know there's a significance right. to that, but that's something that we did not find the answer to. Yeah. So there's, there's a question for you. So after we see God creates Adam, what, what, what happens next? So um, God puts him in the garden and he tells him to work it and keep it. Mm -hmm. So we see from the very beginning. So keep in mind, this is Genesis 2 pre-fall. Right. We see that Adam is told to work. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think about that? Like, that's interesting to me because we associate work with like a negative connotation. Right. right. Because we see after the fall, as we'll talk about later, work becomes a strenuous thing. But at this time, I think it was more about like he created Adam, right, to have dominion over the land, to kind of rule over it like God would in the image of God. And so in that regard, what he was doing was he was fulfilling his purpose. He was Mm -hmm. fulfilling what God created him to do, which was the work that he had to keep the land and to take care of the animals. So we see that from the beginning that um, God created us with this, um, this ability and this need to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you first think about that, I think about like, oh, like, work I mean I don't know like I said we have such a negative connotation Mm -hmm. of work but then when I think about like going on a vacation and you've been on vacation for seven days and you've been laying on the beach for seven days by the end of those seven days like there's usually a part of you and some of you may disagree with me but there's usually a part of you that's like kind of ready to get back to the real world Mm -hmm. and get back to your purpose even if it's you know fixing dinner for your family and changing diapers and I mean even if you don't have a job outside of the house house you're ready to to get home and work yeah and so that's kind of built in us Mm -hmm. and I think that I think that God wanted us to find joy in this purpose Mm -hmm. that he had for us so I think work actually was originally supposed to be a source of joy Mm -hmm. that's good that's good and then he talks a little bit about these four rivers right he's he's talking about um the different rivers some of them we've heard of some of them we haven't but it helps it we have to remember the context and who he's writing to so when he's saying this is where eden was telling the israelites when moses is telling the israelites he was explaining it in a way that they would go oh i know where that is right just like if you were to say over by zaxby's across from heb right like you would know where that was yeah exactly so i don't know where Pishon is but they did at the time. i know where you the do. tigris and euphrates <laughs> is because we've been studying it this year but that was so cool. When I read this story, the mm-hmm. creation story, and read that, I knew exactly where it was on the map. Yeah. And so that was a really cool thing. So I felt a little bit, I mean, I haven't been there myself, but I think I felt a little bit like the Israelites because I was like, I know where that is. Yes. So I totally get what he was doing. He was saying, this is a real place with mm-hmm. a real location. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll see this um, in verse 16, and I'm going to read it just to kind of give us some foreshadowing, which we know is going to come in the next um, chapter. But it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat it you shall surely die. So remember this verse next week when we come to talk about this. (laughs) Because we can't really get into it much right now because it'll be so much 
more for next week. But just remember that when he created Adam, he gave him his purpose to work it and to keep it. And then he told them this one thing, do not eat of this one tree. You can eat of everything else. Do not eat of this one tree in the midst of the garden. And then we see, which we've talked about here on the podcast before, we see the first time God ever said something was not good. What did he say was not good? That Adam didn't have a helper fit for him. Yes. He said, you need someone here to help you. Mm -hmm. It is not good that there's not anybody. Mm -hmm. So then he sends Adam on this journey to to look at all these different animals, to name all the different animals and try to find a helper. Which is kind of funny if you think I know. It it. really is. Yeah, it is. And... um. None of them were were good enough. None of them were fit to be his helper. Mm -hmm. And so that's when God took one of Adam's ribs and made a woman. Mm -hmm. And when Adam saw Eve, he... We weren't going to say her name. Her name is actually (laughs) not said until after the fall. But when Adam saw this woman, he looked at her and what did he say? He said, like me. Yes. That's that's what he said. He looked at her. He said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Mm -hmm. And so he looks at her and says, goodness gracious, she's so much like me. Mm -hmm. And so um, as we've been studying this, um, we're we're. We've been going through Jen Wilkins' study, God of Creation, which is incredible. Um, And so I encourage you, if you want to dig in a little bit deeper to some of this, like get some girlfriends together and go through that study. It's so good. But one of the things she talks about is that that's part of our problem these mm-hmm. days as far as just the um, the contempt between people, between mm-hmm. husband and wives many times, between um, friends. We look at each other and we say, you are so much not like me. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have anything in common. We should be looking at other people and saying, you're so much like me. Yep. We should be looking for what we have in common. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, that just really kind of, hit home for me. Yeah. Um, I thought it was was really helpful because we, we tend to, and we've done this ourselves is look at the roles that are given to Adam and Eve and, um, focus more on the differences, right. Um, just because of our own personal beliefs with complementarianism. But at the same time, we need to balance that with the fact of, yes, God did give them different, um, kind of roles but at the same time the thing that is more important is how much they are alike right and that's where we spend more of the time is at last this is bone of my bone and flesh my flesh like he doesn't go oh god created you to be my helper to do this Mm -hmm. thing he said the first thing he noticed isn't what she's going to do it's who she is Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. that's really helpful when we look at others even within ministry within in any um aspect is to not try to find our differences but to Mm -hmm. look at each other and say you know god made us for the same purpose to bring him glory to be on the same mission Mm -hmm. and to find ways to kind of link arms together men and women Mm -hmm. and to say you know what you know, we are more alike than we are different and that how much stronger we'll be able to make the kingdom known if we look at each other and say we are more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we truly were made to complement each other. And that's Mm -hmm. where that word complementarianism comes from. And if you want to hear more about kind of what we think about that, we have a um, episode called A Helper Fit for Him. Mm -hmm. that kind of talks about um, what we believe as far as how our our roles break Mm -hmm. down. But I did. I thought that was so good because we do so many times in church and in in Bible studies and just all over the place. We we look at our differences. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, there's not as many, or there weren't as many originally mm-hmm. when God made man and woman and put them in the, in the garden, they had, um, 
a lot in common and we need to try to see those more. Right. Balance it. Balance mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So this um, chapter two ends with this kind of, I think seems very random verse. So in verse 24, it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So I never stopped and read this before until the other night. And I was like, okay, wait, Adam, Eve was just created. And then it says they should leave their father and mother. I was like, they yes. don't have a father yeah. and mother. But you have to think who was writing this and exactly. who was he writing it to? Because exactly. I thought the same thing. It's so funny. <laughs> like the same day, I think yeah. we both brought yeah. it up in Bible study. We're like, wait a second. <laughs> but the Israelites had yes. fathers and mothers. Yes. And that's who who it was being written to. So it's to. almost like an aside, right? Like, right. So if you picture this movie and they're yeah. acting and then the actor like looks at the camera and says something, like that's how I picture right. it. He's like, right. and woman was made out of um, Adam's rib. And then he's like, and therefore, that is why yes. you leave your yes. father and mother because God created you to live in, you know, matrimony <laughs> or whatever <laughs> you want to call matrimony. it. Um, so I just thought that was kind of that was kind of a funny way to end that chapter. So we have covered a lot, but not even yes. the tip of the iceberg right. when it comes to this stuff. Right. So like we said, our prayer is that um, as you read through this, anything that kind of sticks out to you, like pray about it, search other scriptures for it, look to other commentaries, find theologians that you, you know, trust and um, really just seek to learn about God Mm -hmm. as you're reading through this. Don't let it just be something you read and it goes one ear and out the other ear. Like really take um, the time to meditate on it and learn what God wants you to learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been learning a lot. We have been. I I kind of feel like a deer in the headlights. Sometimes I'm like, Whoa. Just wait for next <laughs> week. Yes, the fall, <laughs> the fall. There might be more questions than answers, but that is yes. okay. Yes. That is okay. So we're going to leave y'all today with a quote. Erin, you want to read that? Sure. Um, this is from um, uh, just a commentary. Actually, I think it's from a Bible. No, it's a commentary. Okay, by C.H. McIntosh, and it's from the book called Genesis to Deuteronomy Notes on the Pentateuch. Um, Pentateuch? Mm-hmm. That's right. weird when I say that. Okay. Yeah. It's talking about how um, we open the scriptures and reread that first verse. It says, it is to God we are brought. We hear him as it were breaking earth's silence and shining in upon the earth's darkness for the purpose of developing a sphere in which he might display his eternal power and Godhead. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie.